Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot follow instructions. Jeff just told me to count down from 15 in my head and we would st and we would start, but I actually counted up from 0 to 15. And that you failed it miserably, I'm not going to lie. It was a complete failure on your part. <laughs> Welcome complete to failure. Welcome to Kingdom of Honor. I am your host, Zanman Shane Sabuni, along with my good buddy, co-host Jeff, and uh, the Honorable Jeff, in fact, and we're trying something new tonight, so we're trying to be live on our YouTube channel at the same time we're going live on LOP Radio on um, on Spreaker.com for, for Lords of Pain. So, uh, Jeff, tell them what our YouTube channel is in case they want to do it there. All kinds of exciting things. And to be honest, I'm not really sure if I figured it out yet, but I think it might be youtube.com slash kingdom of honor. The live stream might be something a little bit different, but if you are listening to this, um, either live or in, um, you know, not live, uh, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, uh, hit that, um, notification bell so you can get all of our content as soon as it does hit the air whether it's live or not and hit a like on this on this um, stream um, if this is working right I will be able to see live comments as well and we can uh, comment on those go so just a favor comment hit the subscribe button and ring that notification bell so we can uh, give you more on uh, coming in the near future and I'm working on getting something uploaded now but we are looking at doing a live you not kingdom of honor and it's dynamite after dark at least once per month. It will be a special, maybe non-wrestling uh, live on YouTube whenever we can, and that's something that we're looking forward to going. But otherwise, you can check us out on Patreon. Uh, Patreon of our content is, whether it's the archive stuff, whether it's, it's our Patreon or uh, YouTube-exclusive shows. So make sure you check those out whenever you can. Absolutely. And, and we appreciate you guys. We know we, we love you guys, and... You know, we want to give you the content that you deserve, and we love... You know, Jeff and I would do this show with zero listeners. And, uh, so, you know, we're, we're glad for the, for the we do have, and, you know, we love you guys. But, you know, we just love talking wrestling. We love talking Marvel. We love talking um, Star Wars. You know, whatever out there, whatever pop culture out there that we that we dig, we love bringing it to you guys. Um, tonight, of Jesus, course, we do we do music. We do music. We do... Uh, what are some of the other things we do? sci-fi toes whatever we find interesting we like to talk about because well shane likes to talk <laughs> and uh you know i, I also want to just bring up the fact that uh i i kind of pissed jeff off a little bit tonight by telling him that uh i'm sitting here drinking kind of well first of all i want to apologize to you guys that we weren't able to do the show last night and and if our if the internet's a little bit wonky tonight i'm sitting in a hotel room instead of my usual place at home because i i'm uh on the company dime on a on a business trip uh, to reorganize some training for our company, and uh, last night I was I I had a uh, we had a business meeting with the vice president of opera of operations for the company, and I think we had a good discussion that may result in in uh, me getting uh, a higher position and higher pay, which I'm very excited about. Um, but also, like I'm sitting here drinking. Um, a black cherry Manhattan, and uh, Jeff is out of his mind with envy and jealousy. Well, I mean, that goes without saying. I'm just always out of my mind with envy and jealousy over you. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> um, 
Speaking of people being out of their minds with envy and jealousy, I have no idea what to think about the controversy that happened over the weekend, but it sure as hell seems like very convenient timing that on, that on the night that she was having the biggest night of her career, or on the eve of the biggest night of her career, all of a sudden, seemingly every professional women's wrestler in the world came down on Tessa Blanchard for being a racist, for holding other women down, um, for, I don't know, being a complete dick to people, spitting in their faces, and uh, it's... Uh, Calling them racial slurs? Calling them racial slurs. Yeah, I said being a racist, but yeah, I mean, it's... (coughs) It's just uh, it's just absolutely insane the amount of backlash she got by t- by posting on Twitter that women should be supporting each other. Did you see who started it though? It was Chelsea Green. And this is this is something, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. This is something that you and uh, that I really wanted, to, uh, and I'm glad you started with this because this, to me, this is one of the biggest topics of the weekend. And it wasn't the fact that, and I'm not going to spoil it, but um, you know, she had the biggest match of her life in a company that was about to make major, major worldwide headlines. And I, I've seen the match. I've seen the outcome. I know what happened. And, I'm, and I know you haven't yet, so I'm not going to you know, spoil it for you. But the biggest night, not only of her life, but in wrestling um, I'm history. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. You know what? This is more important than the results of a wrestling match. So I, tell me, let, me know, let me know what happened. Go ahead and spoil it. She won. She won. Wow. Okay. I she she ended up winning. And and as far as from, you know, you know, we talk about the wrestling and how that really factors into stuff. And from a wrestling angle and from a wrestling perspective, I feel like it was the wrong move. I think it was too early for her. I think that at this point it's more of a gimmick. It's more of that Bray Wyatt, he's the hot guy, so let's throw the title on him type thing. But when you look at the landscape, she beat Impact's probably best performer. She did it against a guy who she has, you know, a decent feud with and she finally got her comeuppance against ove she is from a wrestling this is such a weird time because this is something that will put impact on the map it's something that will um you know make them the talk of the town for the next few weeks it's doing great things for tessa blanchard it was done right from a wrestling perspective from a normal storyline perspective I just honestly wish they wouldn't have pulled the trigger yet. I wish they would have drawn it out maybe until their next pay-per-view. I think that they have in April. Is it April or May when their next pay-per-view is? Um, I wish it would have been drawn out a little bit more, but I can't argue with the results because there's so much riding on this. There's so much that comes out of this one moment that people are going to be talking about for decades that it's hard for me to say it was the wrong time from a creative perspective, the battle she's had with Sammy and OVE. It's time for her to get her comeuppance. And had it been any other wrestler, this is, you know, the third, is this her third match with Sammy, right? Her third one-on-one match. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at it that way, it was time for it to happen from a wrestling perspective. Um, 
I and the fact that you know, and I'm kind of going to go sideways here. The fact that this was done by WWE's own Chelsea Green really, really makes me wonder what the motivation behind uh, her coming out at this time and starting this, this whole little internet war was. You know, that, that's a good that's a good point. You know, I, I want to, but I want to get back to what you were saying just for a second, and, and that is that. Storyline-wise, I really felt like coming into this match that, you know, as, as much as we love Sammy, he, his time as champion was short because of the build-up to Tessa, because, you know, she'd been on, her, on such a roll. You know, she, she pinned Brian Cage to get this opportunity, for God's sake. Um, right. And she's had, this, she's had this war going on with not only Sammy, but the entire OBE for the last six months. So, I mean, or maybe it's five, five, six, whatever. So, so, I mean, basically, like, it had to happen, to, to, as far as I was concerned. It either had to happen at this show, or it was going to take another year for it to be built back up to that level. From a wrestling timeline, this was perfect. It had to happen. Yep. And I just want to applaud yep. Impact for having the guts to follow through on it after the controversy over the weekend. You know, I mean, no, and, if, they, if they believed it was a, bunch of, a lot of smoke with no fire, which I kind of believe, um, then I think they made the right call, but also, like, you know, it took a lot of balls for them to stick with that booking, knowing their, knowing how much inter- how much uh, flack she was getting out on the internet and how much, um, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know how else to say. It. Like, you know, she was getting people like completely out, not in her quarter, and down on her, and assuming that all this was true. I think in, in a lot of cases. And I think, you know, you've got to, you know, for them to stick with what they were going to do and, and not shy away from the controversy was an awesome move. Yeah, that is, that is very true. And I, and I hope they saw through it in the fact that it was started by Chelsea Green, which if you think about Chelsea Green was with uh, Impact for a couple of years before she signed with NXT. She's now a developmental talent, so she's not one of their top-notch, um, you know, main event. I, I even think she's been on NXT TV yet, has she? Not that I've seen. Not that I've seen, but I'm, I don't follow it either. So, the fact that this was started by somebody kind of lowbrow in NXT is a good way for WWE to hide the fact that they were behind this. And, and I'm sorry, Vince, I'm sorry if, you know, this makes your feelings hurt or, or Triple H or anybody. Um, it, it just seems like a lowbrow thing that we've known WWE to do in the past. To take the shine away from another another company when they are on the on the verge of doing something monumental. That's what they do. They hold everybody down. I mean, yeah. I mean, they even ran a show last night. You know, they ran a show at the Sandrum is all out. You know, they, they, they are doing everything they can to counter program. Same time as same time is hard to kill. Right, but I mean, they also they also ran when the same day as all out as well. You know, they're right. They're doing everything they can to counter program the other organizations out there. You know, they, and they, you know, they ran the they ran the Evolve 10th anniversary show on the same day as Spider Fest. Yeah, I mean, they're doing. I mean, they they counter program any other competition, and you know, they they can you know, and th- and this is just something else that could easily have been like, 
hey, watch our program. Don't spend 40 bucks to watch Impact because they're going to put the title on a woman who hates other women. Right. You know, and you, you kind of... I kind of side with them in the business perspective because that is a smart business thing to do. But from a popularity perspective, I think eventually this counter, I mean, they counter programmed a charity show and now they counter programmed this by may or not necessarily. I guess they didn't really counter program it because UK happened much earlier in the day. But the fact that they can't, and, and I, I think I should probably stop saying things now because there's no proof that this was them making waves. It's There's no proof, but let's put it this way. All signs point that way. I mean, Chelsea Green worked with, uh, worked with T- Tessa for years, and then she's now NXT. She's been NXT. She's low-level NXT where she's not even on TV, and she came out with all these allegations, um, allegations that – you know true or not it depends on on the moment when it happened and where tessa was young heels do odd things remember we talked about this with austin uh, is it austin matthews who's the guy from evolve oh um austin idol no not austin idol i can't think of his name right now but he's actually an nxt now regard Regardless, we talked about it with him about how we, how he took that cheap shot against um, his competitor, and <laughs> I said God, at that suck. point, you know, that's <laughs> what's that? Thank God we suck oh. at names. <laughs> well, we're, we've never been good at them. Anyone that listens to the show for the what almost four years we've been doing it now knows that we are not good at this stuff. This is not a well good. This is not a, yes. I said, well, good. This is not a well run, well produced show. You are going to get screw ups. It just happens. But we said it during that evolve show that, you know, he took that low brow shot against that guy's kids. And I said at the time, I felt like that was more of a rookie heel mistake. This guy is trying to get heat, and he's not thinking he's going out there and just doing what he can to get that heat. And I think when you look at the timeline when Tessa made that racial slur against the lady in Japan, that may or may not have just been a rookie mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, she's out there trying to draw heel heat. What better way to draw heel heat than go with the racial slur? Whether you believe it or not, these... Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Okay, so it's Austin... Nobody tweet us. It's Austin Theory, and and it was the guy guy he he was uh, denigrating for uh, about his kids was J.D. Drake. Okay, yeah, that's right. Somebody tweeted that? No, I I, I looked it up, and I just said nobody nobody needs to tweet us that. (laughs) I looked it up. Oh, okay. But, yeah, and you're right. And it was was an ill-time move by, uh, by Austin... Um, but at the same time, to me, he's only been in the business a couple of years. He's tr- out there trying to draw as much heel heat as he can, making that kind of, you know, horrible comment in the heat of the moment is is almost forgivable because of what he's trying to do as a performer. And I felt that same way when I found the timeline of this this whole incident with Tessa Blanchard. Now, the other bullying stuff... 
True or not, <laughs> let's face it, Shane bullies me at work all day, every day. You know, it just depends on the way that you uh, look at it as far as whether it's bullying or not. And I, I, <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't get down on her for that. I guess this is where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah, and actually, and actually no, just to clarify, like for the theory stuff, we didn't think it was anything that he said that was like completely too personal and stuff in the ring. It was simply that, you know, it was something that as a storyline perspective should have been something that he, that, you know, J.D. Drake would have won the match because he had said something like that, you know? Right. I mean, it was still, it was still probably a little off color, maybe shouldn't have happened. Um, but in all in all, it was more of a rookie mistake than it was something to get all upset about. Exactly. And and I think the same thing. I, I agree with you. Like I mean, te- and you know, it, Tessa in Japan. I mean, she's only what twenty three years old now. So, I mean, something like that. Yeah. You know, it's twenty two, twenty three. So I mean, clearly a rookie mistake. Clearly, when she was younger, she could have grown from it. And uh, you know, who cares what a bunch of slants think anyway? <laughs> God, I'm glad I put the no kids filter on this one. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. We made it 10 minutes before we screwed this up. <laughs> clearly, I'm kidding. I mean, my, my, some of my favorite wrestlers on the planet are, are Japanese, so clearly I was just making a joke. Speaking of Japanese, I, I need to um, transition here, and there's a couple other things I want to get back to, and, and we'll get back to them, but um, New Year's Dash. Wow. What a show. Yeah. I really I I, I did. I skipped over a couple of the eight-man tags, but I did watch a few of them. I thought, you know, the Bullet Club versus uh, um, uh, Finjuice and uh, Koda Tanahashi. and Tanahashi yeah. was an amazing match. Wasn't it? Yeah. Ironically, not the best match on the night, though. Chase Owens, though. I, I, I want to stop on this one for a little bit because Chase Owens needs a ton of credit. That guy has come so far in the last few years to the point where I felt like even with Tanahashi and Kota in there and G.O.D., he carried that match. He His is, performance was amazing. He has become the ultimate glue guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, he, he keeps those six-man, eight-man, even regular tag matches, you know, together. And... And he's a great leader for Bullet Club. Um, you know, he directs the action. And he's one guy that you and I talked about, you know, last Wednesday night. You know, I mentioned he needs to be in that mix for the Never Championship. And he needs to get a strong, Oh, absolutely. And he needs to get a singles program this year. And he's earned it. I mean, just his performance in, in this match alone, his aggressiveness... The way that he was able to hold hold his own against Coda, who we talk, we've talked about time and time again, has become one of the pillars of the organization, and he was able to hold his own against Coda and look good doing it. Yep. And his aggressiveness, the way that he tried to get Coda to come over, and then when Coda finally slapped his hand away, he just went ape on the guy. You know, it just. And then throughout the match, he he seemed to be the hardest hitting guy. He seemed to be the guy that was. Um, you know, really pushing the match forward from a storyline perspective. I can't say enough about about how far Chase Owens has come in the last couple of years. <coughs> I mean, and, and you know, 
The other guy that you and I think are, is right there with him is David Finley. You know, th- those two and guys David. Are, are just, you know, the difference I think is that Finley has got himself in, you know, amazing shape, whereas, whereas uh, Chase looks like, you know, a pro wrestler. <laughs> From like the from a like potato, the, from like, like the, from like the late eighties, early nineties. You know what I mean? He looks um, like the. Uh, he, but have you ever, you've really seen Toy well, Story, right? But I think that plays really well into his uh, heel persona too. You know, you've seen Toy Story, the original Toy Dude, Story. Right, Joss when, Whedon. Of course, I saw it. When um, Potato Head comes out and said he's Picasso. Yeah. That's Chase Owens. Absolutely, Picasso. Picasso Potato Head is Chase Owens. And I think didn't didn't Rocky? Oh my God, we're gonna have to call him that from now on. <laughs> didn't didn't Rocky have a joke about how how he needs to hit Slim Fast too? Yeah, there was something Rocky said that was hilarious, and and Gino immediately was like, "Hey, hey, stop that!" You know, and we talk all the time about how three man booths are a little bit overrated if they're not done right. That four man booth that they had for Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash, just the dichotomy between Gino and Rocky made it work so well. Yeah, Those two were at each other. Go ahead. Those two were at each other's throats all night long, all three of the night, or, well, night two and and New Year's Dash. And it was so much fun to watch or listen to. You know, know, for so many Just so much fun. For so many years, another organization has tried to have this situation where they've got the straight play-by-play guy, and they've got the babyface color guy, and they've got the heel color guy, and nobody Doesn't has work. ever pulled it off the way that New Japan does. You know, it, no, they do it, such a great job of it. You know, we 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 heard it when Dodd Callis was there trading back and forth with Rocky occasionally. Now we now we now Rocky is great with Gino Bambino. Or Gambino, Gino Gambino, whatever the hell his name is, um, and and then you know you got then you got Chris Charlton just popping just popping in there with his um, you know like his role with his historical New Japan knowledge because he he is he is, he knows so much about the history of that promotion and also you know translating things and you know t- t- you know kind of like bri- bridging the gap between the Japanese storytelling and the and the and the American version of storytelling. But then you got the best play by play guy in the business, Kevin Kelly. Um, and as and, much as I like Ian Riccoboni, yes, there's no question Kevin Kelly is. This booth reminds me a lot of, um, and even when Rocky's not there, it reminds me so much of that WCW uh, uh, booth from, what, about mid-98 till about 2000, when you had Shivani, Heenan, and um, uh, Tanay in it. Yeah. Such a great, you have that great color, but you have the great play-by-play guy, which is, you know, it, people like to knock on Tony Schiavone for his outros of every show and, and the fact that he really didn't talk much about the match. But all in all, he was a great play-by-play guy. Bobby Heenan, I don't know that there was has ever been a better color guy in the business than Bobby Heenan. And then Mike Tanay was there for the, the knowledge. Just those little, you know, just those little tiny uh, nuggets of um, of knowledge that he put in there. And I think with um, Kevin Kelly, Chris Gambino, and or Gino Gambino and uh, Chris, what's his last name? Charlton. I, I think they are the closest to that late 90s um, 
WCW announce team that there's been since that happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there, and you know the great thing about Charlton is is like you talked about like Mike Tenay would kind of like and he kind of he was kind of like that way for the Luchadors. You know, he would tell us about like like you know like what they did in AAA and and all that kind of stuff. And and Charlton does that for New Japan for for. Uh, you know, for for the young, you know, who you know how they were as young lions. You know what they did ten years ago when when you know there wasn't such a big United States following, um, and, and it wasn't so, so nationally known. Um, and I think he's fantastic at it. Um, you know, the, the yeah, other thing he I'll really say, is. Uh, the other thing I'll say about Chris Charlton is, if you really want to know more about the history of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling and Puro Resso in. Um, in the Egg Dome, in Tokyo Dome. Um, he's got a great book about the history of Japan called, of New Japan for Wrestling and, you know, how it, how it started, how it almost failed, and how it was brought back by, you know, Hiroshi Tanihashi and company called Lion's Pride. And he's got a great book about basically the history of Puro Resso inside Tokyo Dome called Eggshells. So, where he basically breaks down that... every single card that's ever happened inside the Tokyo Dome. And for those who don't know, Puro Resso is Japanese professional wrestling. I didn't want to know that, but I'm okay with it. You didn't know that? I didn't know that, no. I learned knowledge. Yeah, it's, That makes uh, me happy. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's a term that kind of com- comes from, and, and, and I guess you could look at it as a little bit racist, but basically, you know... For the Japanese way that they would say, you know, with with the way that they pronounce American words, professional wrestling. You know, it would come up as 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 uh, you know, uh, puro refo professional, you know, you know, puro refo wrestle ringo, and so that's been, been shortened over the years to puro wrestle. I, I just don't even know what to say right now. Your knowledge just. Has me dumbfounded. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying um, to dumbfound you, but you know, I'll also say that you know, I think I think I we can, you and I are going to agree with the best match on this card was, but I also loved the hell out of that uh, four-team tag match. You know that that junior heavyweight tag. The match. juniors. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only problem I had with that is that Desperado and Kamaru, Kaman, uh, Jesus, I can never say the dude's name. Kamaru. Kamaru. My that was my only problem is that they got the win, the way they got the win, and the fact that it was a callback to their first run with Bushi spraying his, um, you know, competitor slash face partner in the face mm-hmm. with the mist was kind of cool, but the fact that they um, those two got the nod really does kind of bug me because I just think their time has passed. Well, Despy just got back from a serious injury again, and uh, and it's his uh, third serious injury. Yeah, and and you know we we just got we just we just had the uh, the the Bullet Club team as the champs for a long time, and then you've got on the other team you got Hiromo, who's already the the junior heavyweight tag, the junior heavyweight singles champion. So it make it makes sense that those two, that that other that that team would be the ones that are the first challengers for, you know, um, Rapongi 3K. 
Speaking of Bullet Club, though, um, before we get on to, you know, how good the rest of the teams looked, how good did LP, uh, ELP look again? This kid is one of the most underrated talents on this roster, and he keeps proving it time and time again. I don't know. How does, I don't know if he's underrated. I don't think I've never seen anything bad about him. <clears throat> I mean, he's but super, nobody's setting. Super good, and he's and he's like down on the pecking order because of how many how, how talented the guys in front of him are. But but I mean, he's definitely still in that mix for that for that junior heavyweight title. I think. But that's the and see that's why I think he's being downplayed and underrated is because nobody ever talks about him in that mix. You and I do. Well, yeah, but you've seen our listeners. How many people do we influence? Three, maybe four. <laughs> but Come we do appreciate on. you listening, so don't turn it off just because you're three or four listeners. So we love all three of you. Let's just put it that well, four. If there's four, we love you four. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying that when people talk about the next in line for the junior heavyweight division, it's always well. I mean, Tanahashi is the. Or Takahashi is the is the champ right now, and people talked about Bushi in that. People, you know, people were talking about um, Yo, both Yo and Show during that match. People were talking about Tan- uh, um, uh, uh, Bone Soldier. Um, yeah, I mean, and they of course always Osprey, but not one person mentioned ELP, and nobody has ever mentioned ELP in that in that light but he seems to consistently be the guy that every time i watch a tag match every time i watch a singles match he's the guy that steals the show you know i and i, I and i, I felt like there be, were i think you're a little bit off base here honestly i mean if you think about the fact that eop has been the british british cruiserweight champion for like 11 months now he won has it been that long yeah he he won the he won the Super J Cup last year in the States for for New Japan, and he beat Osprey to do it. And he was half of the junior tag champions for like the last what seven months of the year. So, and he had an incredible run, and was at, you know he had an incredible run in the uh, best of the Super Juniors behind only um, Osprey and Shingo. So you know I I don't think that there's anybody out there that doesn't that isn't on board that ELP is a fantastic on the rise talent. And is and in fact is isn't like the present. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that takes the title from Hiromu later on this year, you know, but I you know I think that, you know, first of all, Rio Lee is gonna get his shot, and then Robbie Eagles pinned um Hiromu at one of the Road 2 shows, so he should get his shot, but I think ELP might be the guy taking it down the road. Especially since I think Osprey should be moving up to the heavyweight division. Well, we've said that about Osprey for a couple of years, and he keeps, he keeps being thrown back into the juniors, but now they've which got is hard. Eagles, now they've got ELP, and now, ta- and now Takahashi's back. There's no room for Osprey in the well, junior division. Except for, and there's I, think, East- I, think, I mean, he'll be, he'll be there for sure for... The uh, best of the super juniors, but I think after that we're going to see a springboard to the to the heavyweights. I hope so because I think his well, 
his run in the G1 was so disappointing that they have to course correct that somehow. Disappointing uh, results-wise, not match-wise. Disappointing match-wise. His matches weren't that great either. He got destroyed by some of the top in the uh, in the heavyweights. Okay. I can see that, yeah. I just... just I, it, it's... I think there's a lot of damage control that needs to be done there for him to legitimately jump up into that heavyweight division. I, I think had he had a stronger run in the G1, maybe he could jump up there this year easily. But I, I just think with the, his performance and the fact that he got destroyed by a couple of, of heavyweights, he needs he needs some course correction. I, now, believe you, me, you know with that, his performances, go ahead. With his performances, the fact that he was easily probably the best in ring performer last year. I mean, Sammy, what did we did we rated him second, right, right behind Sammy? Yes, because we had Sam, we had Sammy's, um, you know, just character and um, out of the ring performance as slightly better than Osprey, but in ring performance last year. Osprey was easily number one on pretty much every list you can think of. And I think he could do that against heavyweights, but I think the fact that they literally let him flounder against heavyweights has really, really, really hurt him. You know, I'm thinking back to like the last few years when we when at the anniversary show we've had the junior heavyweight champion take on the heavyweight champion. And now I'm like totally salivating at the at the fact that we, that might mean that we get Hiromu Takahashi take on Tetsuya Naito. It's not going to happen. Why? It, it, it's not going to happen. Just because they're in the same stable. We saw Osprey versus no. Okada. Just because they're not on the same level. I mean, at the time, Osprey was being pushed as that heavyweight against White and Okada because of his. You had his never run. He had, uh, you know, a few other heavyweight matches. And wasn't it the year? Who was it the year before? Was it Osprey the year before too? It was Osprey, Osprey and Okada. Yeah. And then last year it was Osprey and White. So I mean, it's been Osprey the last couple of years who's been pushed against the heavyweights. I Takahashi has never been pushed against a heavyweight ever. Well, the year before that, it was um, it was it was Okada against what was he called Tiger Mass something, which is actually Ibushi. I have no clue. I kind of took a year off of wrestling around then. Yeah, that was right before Shibata's accident. Yeah, and I still have never watched that match. And I refuse to. I will never watch that match where Shibata got hurt, ever. I don't blame you. It's a fantastic match, but I don't blame you for not wanting to watch it. I, I know, because I know the outcome, and I know how it killed one of my favorite wrestlers. Well, didn't kill, but um, it took the career of one of my favorite wrestlers. I, I will never watch that match, period. So anyway, on to the um, what I felt, and I don't know if you agree, but probably probably the best tag match of the year. 
Which is hard because there were two. There was one in NXT UK that I thought was amazing. And then there was that uh, junior heavyweight match on night two of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. But I felt like the uh, Kenta and White match against uh, um, Naito and Sonata might be my tag team match of the year right now. Wait, you're being a straight man now, right? You're not, you're not serious. No, I am 100% serious. Because I thought aftermath... Goku and Ishii taking on uh, Evil and Shingo was just balls out amazing. Okay, to be honest, I haven't watched that one yet. I had to, I had to time consume. I went with the matches that I thought were going to be the best. And when I saw Goto in a match, I was like, eh. No, dude, that match is so hard hitting. It's incredible. All right, I'll have to, I'll have to watch that one. I, honest to God, I haven't watched that one yet. But the match that on uh, the main event of that night, and I'll watch that one. We'll talk about it next week or maybe tomorrow on dynamite because lord knows we can't keep a steady pace on anything um but i'll watch that match and i'll, I'll get back to you on it but I, I the the whole kenta j white thing from the start of the match where uh kevin kelly got insulted and um you know they kind of said you know what i knew that i mean nothing happens at bullet club without me knowing and it's all for one one for all and then he kind of at the end of the match uh they did their little promos where he kind of gave naito to kenta and said i'm going after you now sonata and i thought the match itself was phenomenal just everything about it the lead in the follow or the lead out and the match itself was amazing absolutely amazing Amazing character work, amazing wrestling, and it was amazing character work by all four guys. I thought it was really good, but I, I wouldn't. I didn't think it was amazing. I mean, I, I didn't think it was great, amazing, anything, anything like that. I, I think you really need to go back and watch the other one. All right, I'll have to watch the other one and see how they compare against each other. But I, I really, really love that match. Really love that match. I loved everything about it. And Jay White continues to show how great of a just in-ring performer he is. And not just in-ring, but he's great with wrestling and he's great with character development. Everything about him right now is hitting top-notch. Really, Kat? Seriously. Leave my cords alone. You know, I'm I'm watching, or I'm not watching, but I'm I'm looking at the um, lineup for the new the, the new beginning in the USA tour starting on January twenty fourth, and I don't know if you looked at these cards or not, Jeff. But looking at these cards, my two word or my uh, four word, I guess, synopsis of these cards is: Why did they bother? Really? Yeah. I haven't I haven't seen any of it yet, so I can't comment. But I mean, I mean, the last couple of matches on a night on the last night are pretty are pretty decent. I mean, you got a rematch for the tag straps between uh, the Girls of Destiny and Finjuice as the main event. You've got Jeff Cobb versus Lance Archer, and you've got Kota Ibushi versus Chase Owens. But yeah, I'm not mad at any of that. 
No, but for the most part, I mean, the Rock and Roll Express are on these cards. Oh, dear God. Yoshihashi is on these cards. Oh. Well, nothing you can say will upset me more than Rock and Roll Express, so don't even bother. Just Cole end Cabana it now. Cole Cabano and Toriyanu are tag teaming on these cards. I don't care about that. You said Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> I haven't heard a word since you said that. At least you, at least you and Judagadi are on the car, are on these cards, though. I, I don't know what you're talking right now. You said right. Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> I just, I can't even. I just can't. Yeah. And they, they, they really kind of screwed this up because they're they're, they're doing the new the new beginning in the USA t- shows at the same time that they're starting the the Road Two shows for the actual new beginning, like in Sapporo and then in. Um, and then of course you know they got the one in Osaka as usual, and they have one more. Um, I can't think of I can't think of what the other one is, but but I mean really, they really mistimed this where they should have had they shouldn't have split the roster the way they did in my opinion. You know I was all in on the new beginning until you said Rock and Roll Express, and I haven't heard a single word you've said since then. All right, we'll talk about it another day then. <laughs> Thank God. So I guess, I guess I mean, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I am super looking forward though to Sonata versus Jay White. That's a program that I really am excited for, and I kept saying it during that match. It's like it seems like it's time because Sonata really needs to make his his mark to finally get up to upper echelon. And I think Jay White's the perfect uh, perfect opponent to do that too. Even if Jay White comes out of it winning the program, Sonata will benefit from it and get up into that upper echelon. I don't know, man. I, I, th- I think that that Jay White comment is along the same lines as that Austin Theory comment, where where you know White said, "If you you know you're, I'm going to beat you and prove that that you're just like everybody else, not as good as me." Or whatever, or, you know, something well, similar the, to that, and and that, and to me, that's like, no, Sonata's got to win that match now. And yeah, he does, and maybe he does. If he doesn't, then it's a whole different situation. But the fact that he said, "You've been getting full of yourself, and you think you're better than you really are," that's a perfect heel setup for that babyface to win. And White doesn't lose anything by losing to Sonata. No, he loses nothing. He's still in the same spot. He's still the leader of Bullet Club. The only thing that came out of all of that that really, really frustrated me, and we kind of said it that night, um, you know, last on on last Monday mm-hmm. when we were talking about it, is that I don't feel like Kenta deserves a heavyweight title shot. Had the title shot been for the I uh, for the Intercontinental belt, I would have been okay with it. But the fact that he said, "I'm taking both belts from you." Meaning that Naito is defending both belts all the time. And we're never going to get that separation again. That kind of frustrated me to a point where I was like, okay, no, no. Kenta needs to win the uh, the Intercontinental title and Naito needs to keep the world title and defend them separately. Um, first of all, Kenta is probably the hottest heel in pro wrestling right now. So he, so he, so he should be getting a shot at that championship. Secondly, not going to disagree with that. Secondly, I do think that 
Naito will not be defending those titles in double defenses after this one. I, what, I, what I would love to see happen, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but what I'd love to see happen is for Sonata to beat White, and then he comes out at the end of the night and he, tell, and he, and he challenges Naito for the Intercontinental Championship, and, he gets, and he's the one, LIJ versus LIJ, that takes it away from Naito. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, the other, I really am. The other big match that that stemmed from the from the actions or from the events at New Year's Dash that I am really dead set on and happy about is the two Brits, ZSJ, defending the British Heavyweight Championship against Will Osprey. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun match. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna that, be a really I, I, fun match. I know that. You that's such a clash in styles. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm just tingling right now thinking about it. <laughs> oh my god. I know that you and uh, Imp are going to be super thrilled about the other match that stemmed out of there, which is Okada versus Taichi. But to me, the better the be- these are the, the these other two are the better ones that came out of it. Well, come on. I mean, Taichi, look. Is there anyone better? All kidding aside, he has got all kidding aside, he has gotten a lot better over the last couple of years, and he's actually put on some decent matches, but no. I mean, Osprey versus ZSJ, that is a dream match on any continent you're on. Yeah. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to Sonata versus uh, White. I'm looking forward to Naito versus Kenta. And and honestly, you know, it's not too bad that Taichi's going to get a match against Okada. I mean, Okada's got to face somebody, right? Yeah, because he's kind of out of the heavyweight title for probably what the first time since 2013 or 14. Yeah, something like that. I mean, there was a there was a little bit last year after he lost a white, where he went through his balloon phase, but this is but it was always considered that like okay, yeah, he can Omega and in Tanahashi. This might be the first time that Okada has legitimately been out of that heavyweight title picture in probably six or seven years. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll be. I'm sure he'll be back there by the end of the year. He might even he might even be wrestling for the championship at at Wrestle Kingdom. But I but I'd be very surprised if Tetsuya Naito did not hold the title until at, at least January fourth next year. I'm hoping. He, yeah, it, it, and if he doesn't, I think it's a failure. I think I think they dropped the bolt. Belt something. They I mean, drop I mean, something. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't kill him to drop it at drop it at Dominion, but I mean, I I do think he's going to hold it till. He no. He him. he needs he needs to go longer than that. He needs to go longer than six months. I I think for everything they put him through, he needs to go at least that one full year <clears throat> before he drops that heavyweight belt. Yeah, especially especially if he's if he's going to drop the other belt. Right. If he's, if he's right. Exactly. The white belt, he's got to keep, he's got to hang on to the to the black one. Right. Exactly. Um, one other. Racist, I'm just saying that's the color of the leather, guys. <laughs> one other real quick note before we get into NXT UK. Um, Race girl. See what happened with him. I saw. Resigned with Ring of Honor and joined. Did he? Did he? Has uh, it actually been officially announced now? From. Everything I've seen, he is re-signed, and he is now a member of the booking team. That is very interesting. And if that, 
if that is the case, if Ring of Honor does not build their their brand around Marty Skrull, they won't have a brand to build around at all anymore. I I I, I was done with them after this whole PCO thing. You know, the way that they treated Matt Taven, the way that they put the belt on PCO in that horrible, horrible match of final battle. But with Marty Skrull, if if he re-signed and is legitimately going to be a cornerstone of Ring of Honor, they need to make him a cornerstone. He needs to be the focal point of that brand going forward in every aspect. Yeah, but you know what the fact is? He should have been for the last year and a half. Oh, I agree. So it, it's hard for me to, to look at this and, you know, it, what Marty did and, and think it was, a, it was a great decision. No, I'm not going to disagree with that. But at the same point, at this point, if he did actually re-sign with them, and put his name on that bottom line and everything, they need to. And if they don't, it's on both of them. It's on Marty, it's on Ring of Honor, it's on everybody at that point. Sorry, doing dishes. Sure, that's what you're doing. M- multitasking. Yeah, yeah. this this announcement I hear, I see here is that ROH, is that Marty Skrull is, is a new head booker for ROH. Yep, which is good. We get rid of Bully. And he had his run. He did a lot of good things, but he really kind of lost sight towards the middle to end of last year. So if Marty is the head booker, and the problem with Marty being the head booker is now you end up in Dusty Rhodes um, categories where he's like, oh, he's he's putting himself there because he's the booker. I suppose, but at the same time, he should have been the champion all along. So if he's going to make himself the champion, I think, I think it's, it's actually just kind of righting a wrong. True. That, I can't disagree with that. That is really, really true. But yeah, it looks like everything's pointing to him re-signing, which is not what I thought. I mean, he has all of his friends are in either, either AEW or NWA. The fact that he actually took charge and decided to stay with uh, Ring of Honor is shocking. It is. But you know, I was there at All In. You know, and and I was there when Cody Rhodes said, and I'm sorry, when, when uh, Matt Jackson said, this pack of bandits is sticking together. And you know who wasn't in the ring at that time? Marty. Marty Skrull. You know, Hangman yeah. Page was there. Kenny Omega was there. The Young Bucks were there. Brandy was there. Cody was there. But Marty was in the back. So, you know, it's, it, you know, what, what Matt Jackson is still true. Those guys still stuck together. Marty's just yeah. always kind of been his own guy. You know, we talked, we talked you, you know, you, you said... You said six months ago that you're not sh- you would not be shocked if Marty did not sign with AEW because he's never wanted to work for a big wrestling promotion. He's always wanted to be an independent guy. Well, he, he's already he's always always said it. After 
when he did the um, was it British British boot camp with uh, with M- or TNA at the time. God, this Manhattan. He good. he's shut up uh, <laughs> when. <laughs> When he did the British boot camp with TNA, he said at that time during his whole party Marty stage that he that he was not he didn't want to be chocolate martini. I say, yeah, that's disgusting. Um, (laughs) He said at that point that he never really wanted to be that um, mainstream guy, and. There was an episode of Being the Elite last year before AEW even started where he talked about being an independent wrestler and being able to make his own bookings and and how much freedom that has, being your own boss and not having to rely on somebody else for a contract and all that stuff. Sure. It just it kind of led to that point where it just seemed like he was not going to be that... Um, that corporate guy and when AEW became that corporate entity marty became the kind of the odd man out because of everything he stood for for years now personally i wish he had signed with AEW. i'd love to see him on weekly tv but if ring of honor can figure it out and actually make him one of the focal points and and bring this brand back around I might start watching it again. He is still one of my favorite. I mean, Jesus, when this first started, we couldn't go an episode without talking about Marty Scroll at least seven times because I loved him so much. You know, I'm very happy for Marty that he got this contract. I'm happy for Art for Ring of Honor that they signed him for the NWA for getting to use Marty, for the NJPW for still getting to use Marty. Um, and for Marty in general, as a person that he's getting this opportunity and this money. And we were thrilled for Matt Taven when he got paid in what, September, October, where he was getting triple what he was being offered by NXT. But doesn't it make you wonder what the fuck Sinclair was doing all these years when they let Adam Cole leave, and they let Kyle O'Reilly leave, and they let Samoa Joe go, and they, well, they didn't have Samoa Joe at the time, but, you know, they let uh, Roddy Strong leave, and they let um, Nigel Nigel go, and now they, they let Punishment Martinez go. Brian, Brian Danielson left. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's like they let Kevin Kelly go because they didn't want to pay him, for God's sake. I mean, what the hell have, have, have they been shoving up their asses along with their heads that's not been letting him sign these guys that they would have been able to keep, and they wouldn't, be, and they'd have such an incredible roster right now. Wouldn't have to be rebuilding every damn year. Maybe, hopefully, this is that turning point. We thought we thought it with the Young Bucks when they signed, and it kind of was for a while. I mean, there was a good three, four years where Ring of Honor was making a serious run at uh, that number two promotion in the U.S. And they kind of let it go last year, and it's hard to fault them because the Bucks, Cody, Page, they all got an opportunity of a lifetime. Maybe this is Ring of Honor's chance to kind of start all over and do it again. I mean, I can't imagine Marty Skrull getting the opportunity of a lifetime in three years. 
But there's like nobody the, uh, on the current roster other than, you know, Marty, maybe Jeff Cobb, maybe Shane Taylor, that I look at that those guys and go, they're even close to the level of the guys they let slip away the last few years. You know, Kevin Owens, well, Sammy Zayn, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong. I mean, Taven, pretty much all the kingdom could be on that level if they let them shine. Taven is... One no, of the not, top not, heel, not a uh, breaking McBreaking face. He's never going to get there. You don't think so? No, because he can't. He can't go a couple of months without getting injured. Yeah, but that's not his fault. There's always a guardrail in his way, or, way or something. <laughs> Come on, I, I like TK. I have to give him some love. But I mean, even even if you take TK out, Vinny and and Taven are two guys you could really. I mean, they're still both young. You could really build a division around them, and then you have uh, you add Marty to that and Jeff Cobb, um, and Brody Coyle is another one that could be there. Shane Taylor, they do have some talent. Brody King, you mean? Granted, it's really what Brody King. Yeah, so who would I say? You said Brody Coyle. Brody Coyle. Yeah, Brody King. Um, they have the talent to actually make something of it. They just need to stop pushing people like Roosh and um, PCO. Can they do that? I don't know. I mean, can they stop? Can ahead. they stop pushing the flavor of the month? I mean, I I'm still of the opinion, and I and I probably always will be, that yeah, they're the greatest tag team in the history of the promotion, but Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe are much are going to be much more valuable with vertical booking than they are with horizontal booking. You know, Jay Briscoe to me is should be the Ric Flair of that promotion, and Mark Briscoe is damn good himself. He could easily be a staple in that mid card. Or even battling his brother for the world championship. We saw those guys kick each other's butt a couple of years ago on the Jericho cruise, you know. And right. And uh, you know that was a that was a hell of a lot of fun, you know. And and I think Mark has value that has never been really exploited. No, it's always gone to Jay. And and you know they've got enough tag teams in that division right now. They could easily put those guys. And maybe they don't want to be. I don't know. I mean, I don't know those guys. Maybe they want to be a tag team. And they're good at it. But, I mean, I feel like they've done everything they possibly can in the tag division. You know, they've, they've had matches of the year. They're 11-time champions. Um, they already had the storyline where, where they couldn't get the job done, and they, and they came back and did it. You know, they're, they're, they're magic in that division. But I think they can be magic other divisions, too. Jay has already yeah. proven it, and I think Mark is an unproven commodity. And they're so young right now still. I mean, they started in 2002 when they were, like, what, 16 and 18? So now, yeah. 17 years later, they're, st they're right at that peak level we talked about on Wednesday night for guys. Yeah, that is true. And I think they both still have the talent. It's – they – I don't know yet if they need to continue what they're doing – because I like what they're doing with the whole kind of almost tweener, um, love me or hate me type 
characters they have. But I think you're right. I think eventually they're both so talented that either one of them could be a staple of any of the divisions. I, I wouldn't be mad at Jay or Mark with the World Heavyweight title, no. to be honest with you. Not at all. And you know, I, and you know, I would, I would, and I think honestly, Mark versus Marty. You know, like say, say Mark beats PCO for that championship, and then at best in the world, we got Mark versus Marty. That would be a hell of a fun match. Those two yeah, guys with their with their kind of insane personalities and 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 uh, their antics, their antics in the ring. I think those guys would be a great counter counterparts to each other. The one thing I want to see out of this is I want to see Marty back to being his villain. I, I want to. I don't want to see him as being what he's been over the last three, four months. I don't think that character has fit him well. I want to see him back to being the um, medicine mask uh, wearing villain that he has been for years. That made him one of the best in the world. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you know, let let's uh, skip Gordon. Flip Gordon, sorry. Let Flip Gordon take over Villain Enterprises. Let Marty be yep. Marty. Yeah, exactly. I think once Marty became the CEO of Villain Enterprises, he had a good two- or three-month run where he was still himself, but then he became something completely different. He needs to go back to being Marty. Yeah, and thank goodness he dropped those belts this past weekend. I didn't know that. Spoiler. Now I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> oh, wait. I wasn't going to anyway. Yeah, Flamito, Mandito, um, and somebody else beat them for the six-man straps this weekend at, uh, yeah. at center stage. Whatever. But, I mean, it, but that, I mean, that just frees up... I really that, don't care. No, not really, except for that it frees up Marty from having to be one of those champions. That's true. That and, is true. And, and so. it makes sense that their world champion wouldn't also be part of the six-man champion. Very true. So we are now well over an hour, uh, which was, yeah, I know. <laughs> I and we still haven't gotten it. I mean, the Tessa thing cropped up over the weekend. You know, this uh, well, and then, thing and, cropped up over the weekend. So. Yep, and, you know, there was, and we hadn't discussed really New Year's Dash. So um, one last thing before, I mean, we're an hour and two minutes in right now. Um not much I really care to talk about about NXT UK. I felt like um, the only real notable matches were Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin, which match of the year. It, it's, it's a match of the year contender. I thought that match was one of the best I've seen in a very long time. See, and then that... That's one uh, where it, I, I can't help feeling that the wrong guy won. And when the wrong guy wins, it takes away half a star from me. I won't disagree with that. I think Jordan Devlin should have won that. But, man, that was some of the hardest hitting I've seen outside of Japan in a very long time. That's true. And then you followed that up with that tag match, which I thought was amazing. Um, and that one I actually felt like the right guys won it with Gallus winning that one. And then that uh, uh, heavyweight title match, which was probably the first time I physically felt pain sitting on my couch watching a mess match since Shibata versus Ishii. Oh, I thought you were going to say since uh, since Dunn versus Coffee last year. <laughs> no, no. 
no, no, no. I, Dunn versus Coffee was great, and I still think better than this. But this one hurt. There were some of the things these two did to each other that literally hurt me on my couch. I, I just I felt the same way about this one. Like I felt like you know it was a great match, but you know Joe Coffee last year barely lost to Pete Dunn, and now right. this year he barely loses to Walter. And I thought, and I, and, I, and that interference in that match drove me nuts. You know, oh yeah. Not, not only, not only should agree. Walter not require any help to beat anybody, but secondly, it just tarnished that match completely. Not the running at well, the ex- end, and not 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 the not you know. I I want to make it clear: not undisputed era attacking at the end. I'm talking about when um, I can't even think of their names, but when when those two guys. You know, came in and Wolf and uh, Alexander Wolf and um, is it Bittner? No, I can't think of his name. But that part really actually irritated me because when they went for their move against uh, Joe Coffey to incapacitate him, uh, uh, Eichner uh, actually hit Wolf and not Joe Coffey. Yet Joe Coffey still sold that knee injury like it was the worst thing that's ever happened to him and lost the match that that annoyed me a lot yeah it was um it was awful i thought um anything else i mean the rest of that match was great you know i I loved like you said it was super hard hitting and and it did feel painful but God, Joe Coffey when he did that time, dive, you know, that, inter- that interference like just totally ruined it for me. Well, and then you had Joe Coffey, or I mean, sorry, Walter, who needed the interference at the end to win, but yet he still felt strong enough to take on all four members of the undisputed era. Also, he almost fell off the top rope, which made me laugh. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I when you're looking at the match steal or the match stealing performance of this night, I mean. It has to be Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin. Yeah, it, I agree with you. Jordan Devlin probably should have won that match. But, man, those two those two beat the shit out of each other. They did. I, there, were, there were certain... There were, when they got in that punch exchange in the middle of the, the match... I, I've talked about before about how that ooh and ah exchange in the middle of every match is so annoying. But the way these two did it was perfection. They were landing straight, closed fist punches that just were devastating. And yeah, wrestling punches, but whatever. Who cares? Yeah, it, it was. I know. I, I honestly, I enjoyed the women's match too. But you know, I did too. But I don't ever want to see Piper Niven on my TV again, ever. Why? Ever. I. She's not good. She needs a lot more seasoning. She needs to not be. She needs to not try to be the um, athletic women type wrestler that she was trying to be. It did feel like she was sent on girl, didn't it? Yeah, she she was trying too hard to do the high flying uh, athletic moves that um, Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray were doing, and she in her with her size. She needs to be that awesome Kong, uh, um, Nyla Rose type wrestler, 
and not so much trying to keep up with the high-flying people. Right. I agree. That was my right. only that was my only negative about that match. I thought Tony Storm was astonishing. I th- I thought she was uh, just absolutely amazing in this match. Um I thought she might have this match had had it not been for Piper Niven, I felt like the other two put on a match of the night match. I really did. And Tony Storm has improved the, so much over the last year, it's incredible. Right? I she's she's gotten really really good. And uh, as much as I'm not a fan of Kaylee Ray, I felt like she really shown this match too. It just her character development, the way that she kind of stood on the outside sneering at everybody and not really getting involved. I thought she did a great great job too. Um but I just I, I cannot take away from that no, no matter where we go from this, that Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin match is easily in my top five matches of the year right now. Easily. On January fourteenth. <laughs> exactly. And that's this is gonna be a harder than last year. I mean, last year we had some great matches in those first couple of weeks, but nothing like this year. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, well, we, we both have Osprey and Takahashi. Um, oh, absolutely. We both, we, we both yep. have Jordan Devlin versus um, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate. Although, again, for me, it's you know, it, it loses half a star for who won. Um, we both have, and are they, and then you know, we both have a Naito match. You have, you, or we both have an Okada match. Actually, you have Okada Obushi. I have Okada Naito. You know. Right. And 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 I and I'm not going to argue, you know, either way. It just, it's just, it's just, you know, the, it's just the match it's, quality has been. And actually, honestly, I've got Ibushi White too. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I, that was great too. And Naito Ibushi or Naito White again was as usual a great match. Um, we also have that Cody Allen Darby or the Darby Allen Cody match. Was that from this year? Yeah, you know, that was the very first match of this year. Uh, that's right. It was, yeah. On dynamite, it, it, it's we are in for a hell of a year. If we're three weeks in, not even are we even three weeks in? Nope. We're two weeks in. Two weeks in. <laughs> and we've already got a handful we're of exactly matches. Two that, weeks in. This is the fourteenth day of the year, brother. And we are already at a point where there are so many top quality matches. Uh, God, this is going to be a tough year. And we're gonna end up, we're gonna end up bailing out on again like we did this year and just say, oh yeah, the the rest of the year was this guy. Let's talk about something else now. You know, my uh, you know my boy Rich Rich Latta from One Nation Radio. He used to be he used to also have a show here on LOP Radio. Like he gives a spreadsheet of matches every year, and I think <laughs> we're about we're gonna have to start one. <laughs> we're gonna have to if this keeps up. Seriously, I mean we've already got. What five six matches of the year contenders, yeah. and we're only four shows in. Well, and, five. And actually, and actually, shout if out you to count Rich, that who, very first AEW. And actually, I want to say a shout out to Rich, uh, who just got engaged about two weeks ago. So congratulations, Rich. Oh yeah, congrats, man. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been there t- twice. <laughs> I might have a little bit of high hard feelings for that, but maybe, maybe one day they'll have to play the death of a single man by uh, Brad right. Paisley on here for him. <laughs> We're gonna have to. 
<laughs> All right. I don't know. You got anything else to talk about? No, I mean, I felt the same way about you, man. I thought, I thought, it was a, I thought uh, Blackpool was a solid show. But when I looked at that card, I said, oh, my God. And I didn't feel like it was an oh, my God show. You know? No, it, it was – in that aspect, it was different than last year. But I think a lot of it was because we had more of our of the top three or four guys condensed in the top two matches. You know, actually, let's talk a little bit about the ladder, dead tag ladder because <laughs> you had texted me last night and said how great it was before I had a chance to see it. And um, oh man, it was and, great! And, and, it and really maybe, was good. And maybe it was just because you had told me that, and, and I was expecting more. But and, and there was a lot of exciting action in it, but but it also like felt like it wasn't going. It's never going to be up there in my tag match of the year simply because it doesn't have the story that you know, that a regular tag match would have or that you know, it's, two, te- two teams in there would have when you got those four guys. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, spectacular spot after spectacular spot um, and a great finish and some great stuff in there, really, that, you know, with callbacks to previous matches. Not just not just these guys' previous matches, but, like, previous ladder matches we've seen in the past. But all in all, like, I, like I, I don't see how this match is going to, to be up there, you know, 11 months from now. You know, this is my second ever four-way ladder match. The last one was ruined by Jackson Riker coming out and destroying everybody. Okay. This this one didn't have that. So I I felt like the right people won it. I felt like there was enough high spots and enough of those holy shit that guy just died type of moments where it may have just barely eked out that uh, four-way match from uh, uh, New Year's Dash. And um, the other thing with this one is there was way too much Mark Andrews in it. Yeah, all right, I'll give you that. Sorry, I just I, I have a hard time I, ever since ever since he called himself Mandrews. I can't stand that guy. I yeah, and I've never been a f- big fan of Flash Morgan Webster either. I oh, think I his love suits, that dude. dude, his suits are annoying. <laughs> but it's so annoying. But Zab, Zach Gibson and uh, what's his partner's name? Drake, something Drake. Those guys. Those oh, guys the are grizzled young veterans yeah, were amazing. I love, I love those dudes. And Gallus was. Great I really, dude, you know. Yep, and I really liked Eichner and Barthel too. I thought they were both great in this match too. Yeah. Um. I think this would have been much better as a triple threat than a four-way simply because I don't like the other two. <laughs> but um, I, it was hard to not say this is right up there. But like you said, it's January 14th. I literally just watched this match this, today. So, well, no, last night. So it's, is it going to hold up? Probably not. I mean, we still have another G.O.D. versus Briscoe Brothers war to go through this year. So it's not going to be there at the end. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. You know they're going to be. No, Although not, it is I don't, hard. I don't, to, I, don't think, I don't think those companies are working together anymore. It, it, I was just going to say it's hard to tell because it doesn't seem like they work together anymore. And I think a lot of it might be because of the CMLL thing with Roosh and, and really. I also don't don't th- I just don't also don't think that NJPW needs to be tying themselves to that ship. You know I no. I, I, and I, and I, Although, and I don't think and I don't think they need to be tying themselves to AEW either. I mean I, I really think what they need to do 
is promote the hell out of New Japan World and make it available on every platform, not just Amazon Kindle. I mean, you should be able to watch it on your Xbox or your PS4 or your Roku. You know, it shouldn't matter what well, you have. You should be able and to I watch think it in the World. And I think their American expansion is going to help out a lot. Well, if they don't put on the cards like they like they put on with with yeah. With a true. And, and oh, by the way, speaking of Rock and Roll Express, you you are aware that they're also the current NWA World Tag no, Team Champion. No, don't no, shut up. I don't want to hear. I don't care. That company is dead to me when they put them in a main event. They put two sixty-plus-year-olds in a main event. I'm done with them. I don't care who their champions are. Oh yeah, and Scott Steiner's there now too. By the way, <laughs> of course he. Is. That's right. Big Papa Pump debuted tonight. Well, Jeff, I've only got one thing to say to that. Fuck Holla, off. If you hear me. Oh. And I just ruined the PG-13 rating, too, by the way. <laughs> no, I already, I already said that earlier. Oh, okay. Well, fine. You screwed it up, then. So, so I guess you mean... I guess you. I guess that means that you're, that you're not planning on watching Hard Times on January 24th. Yeah, probably not. I think I'll pass. It sucks because I love Eli Drake so much, and I've always been a Kennedy fan or Mr. Anderson fan. But, man, and, of course, you know my fascination with Nick Aldis. But, man, I just, I can't. I can't do it. Um, You take... Go ahead. uh, You take three great wrestlers and surround them with garbage. It doesn't work out. It does not. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, I guess, I guess about, I should you know, just backtracking to NXT Takeover Blackpool is, I loathe, absolutely loathe the decision by WWE to move the takeovers to Sundays. You know, I I loved them being on Saturdays. You know, I I love the I love the fact that I can like kick back and relax on a Saturday and watch it, or I can like time delay it and watch it like Sunday morning while my wife is still sleeping right. or, or she can get up and she can like, while I'm watching it, she like, she can do her diamond painting or whatever, you know, if right. it's on a, on a Sunday night, you know, I have to work Monday morning. We have a show on Monday. It, it really kind of screws everything up for us. And, and I, you know, I realize that Sunday is like the traditional pay-per-view day, but it's been kind of changing. It changed with NXT takeover. It changed with AEW. It changed with the NWA. It changed with MLW. You know, New Japan yep. does their shows whenever they, you know, whenever they set a date for them. <laughs> whenever and they now, like and, to, they just don't care. And I'm not, now to so move like, oh, it's Tuesday to, night. Let's do it to, to Sundays. It do, it 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 doesn't feel like, you know, it, I, I'm sure they did it to make it feel like, you know, we're a big brand now, like Raw or SmackDown. But well, r- but really, it, it to me, it it just bush league to do that. Technically, I'm not going to say that because it was UK. So it was actually like what ten a.m. on a Sunday. That's true, but or if you look at the if you look at the upcoming one for Phoenix, that's also on a Sunday. And no, it's not. It's Phoenix is scheduled on a Sunday. That's when Worlds Collide, isn't it? No, Worlds Collide is the day before the Royal Rumble. But the twenty fifth, yeah. Takeover Phoenix is in uh, February. All right, you know what? Go fuck them then. I ain't watching it. I don't do Sunday pay-per-views anymore. I'm 
just looking at the date to make sure I'm correct about that, but I'm pretty sure what I what it, what they said what I saw is that they're going to all be on Sundays from now on. Um, God, I hope not. I hope not. I loved it on that Saturday before the the big WWF pay per views or WWE pay per views. Oh, take over Portland. Actually, Phoenix was last year, so take over Portland is on February sixteenth. They still do stuff in Portland. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing anymore. Anyway, okay, so yeah, I'm not watching it. Yeah, so I'll get to it when I get to it. Day, which means that's on a Monday. February 16th is on a Sunday, so they can f off. If. Yeah. They could just on Valentine's Day or something. It's not like I'm doing anything this year anyway. You know, I love that name, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, for a pay-per-view. Wasn't there one? one? Was that, that was a 90s WWF thing, wasn't it? 2000, I believe. It was, it was the one where, where it ended with, uh, man, with Mankind and... Um, it was Mankind and The Rock knocked each other out in a Last Man Standing match. And that was also the night that the big show debuted for well, WWE. So maybe it was 99. Was that the one where Rock beat him over the head with like 15 chair shots? No. That was, it was the month after that. The one oh, where, okay, they, okay. Where, they, where they knocked each other out with a chair and, and then where the, where the big show debuted by throwing Steve Austin at the cage and, and the cage swung out and then Austin won the match that way to get his WrestleMania title shot. Oh. Okay, okay. Maybe we'll watch that this week. Maybe that will be my Valentine's Day this year, is watching that pay-per-view again. Maybe. I have no idea what else we're going to cover next week. It's going to be better than last year's. I'll say that much. Well, I'll I'll try to get hard to kill in this weekend, but I I don't think it's going to happen. Well, yeah, you're still gone. So, well, I'm sure something will come up. We'll talk about something on Monday. Either way, we have a show tomorrow night. Dude, I've been away from my Are wife gonna... for a few days. Yeah, definitely when I get when I go home this weekend, something is going to come up. I may be sick to my stomach now. <laughs> Are we doing All a show tomorrow? <laughs> Are we doing a show tomorrow? Do you have to hobnob with big wigs again? You know, tomorrow after work... I get done work at 4.30. We're going to go to the Cheesecake Factory for supper. But I should be back here in time to watch Dynamite and then cover it with you at 9 o'clock. All right. So we'll play it by ear, but that's the goal. Yeah. I, I Don't you love all these humble brags I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> all right, guys. Tune in tomorrow. I'm going to try to do it live again tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Hopefully tonight's worked. Uh, if the case, uh, join us on YouTube.com, and you can listen to us live now and then in replay on uh, on our YouTube channel, plus Patreon.com slash Kingdom of Honor. All kinds of great stuff happening there. Um, you get exclusive stuff, and for a small donation, you not only get that exclusive stuff, but you help us out in the long run. And, of course, our Twitter. I am at RigiCoop. He's at ZanmanLOP. You hashtag... K-O-H and hashtag D-A-D and that'll find everything. And make sure you stay tuned to all the other LLP radio shows. Like like we said, tomorrow night it will be Jeff and I with Dynamite After Dark, plus it will also be Sports Entertainment is Dead. On Thursday it is the MCLP Radio Adventure on Friday the Right Side of the Pond. 
And then uh, we'll hit you back next Monday with more Kingdom of Honor. Um, also, don't forget that on Sunday, there was the LOP radio uh, between Imp and Sir Sam as they were going over the over the poll for the best matches of the year and the best matches of the decade, which isn't even a thing. The decade does not end oh. until the end of this year. So Jeff and I no, will no, cover that when the decade actually ended, ends. Ended, it ended. Maybe. If I still like you by then. What do you mean it ended? Do you start counting at what? zero? No, the first year was not year zero. I do. It was year one. So, one through ten is a decade. Oh. Oh, speaking of which, um, you know, and that just brought this up. I still want to, and we're going to coordinate this with Imp and hopefully some other uh, LOP guys. We want to count. We want to set up a um, March Madness type um, bracket to crown the greatest champion, not just world champion, not just IC champion, not just tag champions, but the greatest champion of all time. Split them up into four different categories and uh, give you see who's the best of all time. Yeah. How does that work for you? And then we'll tell you why it's Chris Jericho. Nah, you think Chris Jericho? Why are going to be the GOAT and not the greatest world champion of all time? Um, Because Shawn Michaels is out there. And not the greatest world champion, the greatest champion. You got Bret Hart, who could, who stakes a claim. Yeah. I could think of so, so many others. I just don't. I'm tired right now. I don't want to. And with <laughs> Stay that, tuned. That's coming soon. <laughs> that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye.